It is Locked on Jazz for the 21st of January, a points game Friday. Lo and behold, who's the most possibly impactful offensive player in the NBA? It's a bit of a surprise. I'm perplexed about who the Utah Jazz are and what we should think. Got some thoughts on it. And Marcus Smart's name is bouncing around the rumor mill. We'll look at who he is and whether he'd help. It's all coming up on today's edition of Locked on Jazz. You are Locked on Jazz, your daily podcast on the Utah Jazz. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hi, I'm David Locke, radio voice of the Utah Jazz, Jazz NBA insider. This is Locked On Jazz, your daily podcast on the Utah Jazz, giving you insight, expertise, geeky numbers, and hopefully making it way better to be a Jazz fan each and every day. Today's episode is brought to you by Prize Picks. Check out Prize Picks and use the promo code NBA to go on the App Store, download the app. And prize picks is the daily fantasy made easy. Thanks so very much for making Locked On Jazz your first listen every single day. We are free and available on all platforms. I hope you're having a wonderful Friday or whenever you might be listening to this. We're glad to have you aboard. And thanks for subscribing on YouTube. Hit the little bell button to get that notification. And also, uh, you can subscribe on any and follow for free on any of the podcast platforms. The regular crew is full this morning. Good morning to Bryce and Garrett and Jace, Paul, Jeremy, Taylor, Tito, Amanda, Calvin, JJ, Derek, Ray, and Mark. Wow, big crew. First thing in the morning. I'm popping on in some new names. So thank you very much for those of you that uh, have stopped by for the first time. Glad to have you aboard uh, or at least saying hi for the very first time. All right, so, uh, well, Derek just popped in right away with, like, one of the thoughts of the morning. So let's just derail the show right away. The Warriors are a little bit of a current slump as well. Second-string Pacers go, yeah, like, should we destroy the Warriors? Let's just go to it right now. It was later in the show, but we're going to go to it right now. The Warriors last night lost to the Indiana Pacers at home, and the Indiana Pacers did not have Karis LeVert. I don't think they had Malcolm Brogdon. They did not have um, Miles Turner. They did not have anyone on that roster. Uh, it's a similar team that we lost to when we did not have uh, Rudy Gobert. And the Warriors don't have Draymond Green. Funny how this works. So the War- the Pacers started Chris Durate, uh, Duarte, Justin Holiday, Troy Craig, Goga Badazi, and Kiefer Sykes. And they beat the Warriors last night who started Steph Curry, Andrew Higgins, Kayvon Looney, Clay Thompson, and Jonathan Kaminga. Everybody but Draymond was available to them last night, and they lost. We should break up the Warriors. Destroy the, the Warriors are awful. The Warriors fire Steve Kerr. You've got to fire Steve Kerr. This team was was 27-6, and six, and now they're 5-6 and six since then. Fire Steve Curry. He's terrible. He never makes in-game adjustments. He's horrendous. They got to blow that team up. They got to trade. They should trade everyone on that team. Let's run through all the people the Warriors should trade. They're terrible. 
They lost Indiana. We got to get rid of Steph Curry. Can we trade Andrew Wiggins? Heck with Clay Thompson. He's destroyed everything. Come on. It sounds ridiculous, right? It sounds totally stupid and ridiculous. And that's exactly what we've been doing. We play four games without Rudy Gobert and we suck. We play one game with everyone, we win. We play a game where Donovan gets a concussion in the second half and we lose. And then we lose again and we shouldn't lose those games. And the Warriors shouldn't lose last night. They shouldn't. They did. So destroy them. Fire. Steve Curvin said it was his fault for not preparing the team the game. So it's a little bit of where I'm just perplexed on how we're supposed to feel about this jazz team. Because one, it's the time of year where things go awry. You just wear out. Really, it's the dog days, right? Like it's really the dog days of the league. You're at the halfway point. Your reaction as a player is not like I'm at the half point. It's like, oh, dear God, I got halfway to go. And it's hard. Like, the league's hard. It's not hiring. The other thing that is going on that's just abundantly clear, and I'm going to hold to this, and I've stuck to this, and I believe this, and I've preached this, and no one ever wants to believe it. The league's crazy, crazy good and crazy, crazy even. So that if you're off, you can lose to the Houston Rockets. Like, I wasn't actually, like, I did the pregame breakdown of that, and I was like, yeah, this is not a great matchup. And then you don't have Donovan. You're like, yeah, this is still not a great matchup. You should win. The Warriors should have won last night. Should. The other thing is, like, if you look at 538 and on the odds on these games, like, most of these games are 75-25 when they're really one-sided. But then most of them are, like, 60-40. We're probably one-sided now. We're probably really big favorites tonight. We should be. We should win. We're playing Detroit. The Detroit team, by the way, that I think, last time I checked, has actually won over half their games recently, right? So Detroit is a team, they've won six of their last 11. So the first thing I would say, just about the league as a whole right now, is that there's just not these dominant, overriding, massively powerful teams. Like, we all hated the super team. It's gone. The league has gotten rid of the super team with the luxury tax, without expansion, with the, wet, the, 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 the amount of talent that's out there right now. The super team and the team that can go 72, like the old Jazz or the old Bulls, that's just actually not going to happen. The second thing that's happened is we haven't expanded in eons. Like, we're so primed for expansion. We've had the three coolest dudes in the world playing our game, Michael, Kobe, and LeBron, for a while. So anyone who actually can is big enough and tall enough to play basketball is actually playing. And then we've changed the rules enough so that the offense lives so that everybody can make plays that it's just really, really hard to guard or stop anyone. And so, therefore, there just are not terrible teams out there. And so that's the, the fact of the matter is that's what's going on in a lot of this. So should we really be reacting right now in this dramatic, outlandish, absurd kind of way I just did on a Utah Jazz team that lost four games without Rudy, who, by the way, we're about to talk about in points gained is really, really important. And who then had Donovan out. And the Warriors, right? Like the Warriors are not particularly good. They've lost to Indiana. They've lost to Minnesota. They lost to Memphis, lost to Milwaukee, lost to New Orleans, lost to Dallas. 
Oh my gosh. And they lost to Denver. They lost to us. They can't beat anyone. All the good teams they lose to, they've lost them. Right? Come on. Well, we beat them. They beat us is what I was saying. Sorry. I mean, like, we can just start on this. On this. It's just ridiculous. I also, by the way, I've said this a lot. I can't prove it. I just don't think guys are coming back right from COVID. And that's adding to all this kind of stuff, too. Guys, I'm watching guys are coming back from COVID, and I, I just don't think they're, they're coming back right. So I'm totally perplexed about us. Because on one level, I, don't, I totally feel this kind of, On the other level, like we've talked about, we've lost seven second-half leads of 10 or more. It's terrible. We've lost more games to below 500 teams than we lost all of last year. We are 45-2 and two last year when we led after three quarters. We've lost five of those games this year. We only lost four games all of last year we led at the half. We lost seven of those games this year. Our defensive rating is actually down to 12th in the NBA. Now, that's a little misleading because of the fact that um, Rudy missed a bunch of games. But it's not. Like, Rudy hasn't been that impactful since he's come back. COVID, maybe. Um, So, I am totally perplexed on... I don't think we're right. I'll say that. We're not right. And and, And if we don't get right, it gets ugly fast. Like, our upcoming schedule is brutal. But I'm not also sure that I'm willing to do this kind of absurd chicken little sky is falling routine I just did about the Warriors. Which is really boring to kind of sit right in the middle. So I do think, though, that we have something that's not quite right. I also think we have a chance to win it still. And I also, um, but I also think, I actually think that last year is leading us to a little bit of a false pretense about what we can expect and what we do. And I'm in the, I'm in the middle of it, right? I just did it. I just compared everything to last year. And I think there might be something off about that. I'll touch on that. We'll dig into Marcus Smart and who's the most positively impactful offensive player in the entire NBA. Mm -hmm. It's true. Today's show is brought to you by our good friends over at Murdoch Hyundai, located at 4646 South State Street, also located in Logan and in Linden. The uh, Hyundais, the the Hyundais, the Murdochs are an amazing family. They've been in Utah for over 80 years and they're showing it right now with all the shortages of cars and this and that. Most people are taking their MSRP, driving it up even higher, get, making a few extra thousand dollars in every sale. And Blake has said, we're not doing it. We're simply not doing that. We're not going to gouge people. I'm not going to church. I'm not going to the grocery store. I'm not going around town and seeing people who we went and took an extra thousand or two dollars from because times were tight. We're not doing that. It tells you a lot about who the Murdochs are. The Hyundais, which are the cars, not the people, are fabulous. The Elantra and the Sonata are the two sedans. The Elantra is the North American car of the year. The Sonata I was driving, whoever bought that red one, I'm still bitter with you. So fun. The SUV lineup, we've bought two Santa Fe's in this house for the kids because once I saw my 16-year-old's drive, I saw how bad they were. Um, I got them cars that 
peaked out on every safety issue. We're at the right size, all those things. Totally spoiled. Agree. But like, I'd rather have them live and be spoiled than be um, dead and not spoiled. So that was kind of the choice. Um, seems a little like outrageously way to say it, but frankly, that was how I viewed it. Um, so Murdoch on day located 4646 South State Street. Also located in Logan and Linden. If you're going to stop by, feel free to email me first. We'll get you the VIP treatment and let you stop by uh, and get a meeting set up before you head over. Today's show is also brought to you by our good friends over at Built Bar. I promise I will not sing that again. I cannot sing. The churro puffs are back. 100% real chocolate. 100% really delicious. The coconut brownie chunk is my personal favorite. There's also the caramel macchiato and the caramel almond delight, which is the new arrivals. The regular bars are there for you. The mint brownie, the coconut, the double chocolate, the salted caramel, the cherry barcia. If you like nuts, the coconut almond, which tastes like an almond joy. And the numbers are incredible. 130 calories, 2.5 fat grams, four net carbs, six grams of fiber, and 17 grams of protein. It's a daily part of my diet. It can be for you too. Locked on 15. It's your 15% off on Built Bar. All right. So here's a thought on last year. This is no, this isn't that fun a thought. Um, our coaching staff and our team nailed last year. Nailed it. At a really, really high level. Like in a year in which there was no practicing, no shoot-arounds, excessive testing, and lots of COVID, the Jazz found out a way, and no meetings, the Jazz coaching staff found a way to prepare for games that I honestly don't think other teams are doing. The, the, the amount I've talked around the league last year, last year was a little bit of a non-preparation, go out and roll out and play. We're not having shoot-around. You had to test at such – so the way it worked last year was that if you were going to go do shoot-around, everyone had to get up at 8, test – you had to ship the tests out, get them, get the results from those tests, bring, get the, when they finally got the results from the test, then everyone could get on the bus, but you had to take four different buses because they couldn't sit next to each other, go to the arena and practice. So by the time you started this process at eight, everyone tested by nine, you shipped them out. you got results maybe by 10. If you were lucky, you got on your buses at 1030, you drove to the arena by 11, you got back at 12, you came back to the hotel by one or 12.30, you actually then turned around and had to test again to be able to play that night, and it just made shoot-arounds a non-fact, just not worth it. And the same thing on the home games, if you were going to have a shoot-around, the way it worked last year was that you actually had to go to the arena or go to the practice field, get tested, wait to see whether you were negative or not, to be able to walk in to then practice. It, it just was such a pain that teams didn't do it. So last year was like this year of non-preparation for games, and I think it was a huge advantage for us. Because one, our coaching staff figured out how to prepare, how to put in game plans. Second thing, we had continuity. And third, we had no COVID. And we just, and we had no major injuries. And so therefore, we were just, at, and we had continuity. So we were just at the peak of our game every night against teams that weren't prepared for how to deal with Rudy rolling or how to deal with our three-point shooting or how to deal with our early offense. And this year feels like the exact opposite. This year, I've said this from the very beginning of the year. I'm, I'm basically re reiterating a lot of thoughts I've had all year. It feels to me like every team studied us all offseason, that we've just been absolutely studied and looked at and how we play and what we do. There are different techniques to stop our transition every single night, whether it's full court pressure or crashing the boards or mini traps early. Like if you watch it, every night someone's got a technique that they're using to try to stop us from outrunning. They're prepared for it. 
Every night someone has a thing to do defensively to try to slow down Rudy. We're still the number one offense in the league. Every night someone's got a new technique on how they're bringing Rudy out. We saw the Terrence Mann in the corner game last year by the Clippers. Against the Lakers, we saw LeBron setting a pick on him in the middle. Against last night against Houston, we saw you know a different approach to it that with Rudy in the middle and them then swinging around outside. Now that we're keeping Rudy in the middle, so we're seeing every single night someone has that preparation. So to me, a little bit of what I also think is that the fifty-two and twenty last year. We were the best regular season team in the league. We were the best prepared team. We were the team that dealt with COVID best. Some of those advantages that we had a year ago are gone. And I think that's showing up a little bit. That's not great, right? That's not a great, like, indicator. I'm not, that's not a hopeful, oh, the world's going to go back to that direction. Dear God, no. Um, We awfully felt like we were awfully close the last two weeks. Um, But it is, I think, one of the things where I keep doing this, where I refer to last year, I refer, and, and that might not be, there was a uniqueness to what we accomplished, what they accomplished last year and how well prepared the coaching staff was and how well the players dealt with the circumstances that is not translatable and I think leading to a false pretense of how good we are. Okay? That's just a thought. All right, Marcus Smart's name got mentioned, two-time All-Defensive Player of the Year or two-time All-Defensive Player in a trade rumor, and the rumor was that the Jazz have talked to the Celtics for Marcus Smart um, and the Jazz want draft capital along with him. Well, they certainly should, because he's got four years and $71 million left on his deal. So if you're not getting draft capital along with Marcus Smart, holy beeping crap, what are you doing? So that's like a no-brainer report. So do we want Marcus Smart? So the first thing on Marcus Smart is he shoots 30% from three this year and 32% last year, or for his career. Now, Recently, he's been at 36, 35, 33 is a little bit better. And quite frankly, it feels to me, I don't know if this is true, it could be just highlights, that Marcus Smart has a tendency to actually make shots when he, in in the moments when you, when he has to. Like, in other words, um, clutch, Marcus Smart gets left open all the time and in my books has a tendency to, to make those shots. Is that, I don't know if that's actually true. I could look it up. Um, that's my feeling. Um, this year, he's four of eight. From three uh, in the clutch, which is a lot better than Jason Tatum's two of 20. Um, Last year in the clutch, uh, Marcus Smart was five of 14, 36%. The year prior in the clutch, he was 25%, four of 16. So you know what actually is going to end up happening here by the time we're done with four years worth of numbers and increase the sample size adequately. You know what's going to happen? He was three of 12 the year before that. So you know what's going to actually happen is we're going to get right to his 30%. As is usually the case, you take a big enough sample size, you get to the norm. So, so that's okay. So that's Marcus Smart, good defensive player, tough as hell. Four years, seventy-one million left on his deal at twenty-seven years old. Um, he would add some toughness. He's a two-time All Defensive Player. He's also six-three. Like we have a problem that we're not very big. So whatever move you're making to go get Marcus Smart, you. Better be careful about trading anyone who's big because we're small already. And we get like, I don't know that you could play Mike Conley, Donovan Mitchell, and Marcus Smart all at 6'3 or smaller. Like, that to me seems like a really big, that's a big ask in a league that's getting bigger and bigger and bigger. Uh, We'll get to Marcus Smart's points gained in just a second, Dale, and just ask in the chat room. He is tough and he does add that element. 
And I can't, but he also brings four years, $71 million where he's just a piece. The, you know, he's loved. He's got a decent win share numbers. He's loved by the um, Boston Celtics fans for kind of that aspect of things. Um, and he's unique in how he plays. But the other one I get just very nervous about us, and this goes back to kind of my crystal piece of crystal analogy with our team which is we're just perfectly put together in some ways. And once something's not right, we're not, we're not right. Like that's a problem for us. Um, and if you suddenly don't have three or four shooters on the floor, does Rudy ever see the ball at the rim again? You know, if you have Marcus Smart on the floor, you're coming off Marcus Smart's man and you're bumping Rudy on every roll. And that's kind of how we've been put together. Now, to Marcus Smart's credit, the offense is 3.4 points better per 100 possessions when he's on the floor, and the defense is two points better. And if Marcus Smart was really a problem, he wouldn't be playing 34 minutes every single night. Like, that's, you want the number? On a good team, he's played 34, 33, 32 minutes the last three years. You know what? Probably brings a hell of a lot of value. He also brings a four-year $71 million deal, so we better get a lot of draft capital if we're doing something crazy like that. All right. Um, I already did the Warriors. Points gained. Um, Jeremy says, wouldn't he be a Jay Crowder type, tough as nails, not a great shooter? We end up trading Jay. Yeah, I think actually that's a perfect analogy. There's a real Jay Crowder element to Marcus Smart that you almost have to defend him because he's willing to shoot. He took six threes last year, a game. He does pass it, by the way. He does move it. Like, I think he's a ball mover who then, when they don't guard him, he comes around and he gets threes. I would guess, if I looked it up in, in, in some stats, he would be getting some of the most open threes of anyone in the league. So in that sense, I think he's really similar to Jay Crowder. He's much smaller, obviously. But then he moves the ball. He's not a good shooter, but he takes shots. So you kind of feel like you have to guard him. He has a tendency to knock down the big shots. He's pretty fearless in taking shots, which frankly, the other night I watched us literally move the ball when no one wanted to shoot, which is unique because we're usually doing the opposite. Um, so I do think that there's, I think that's a good, that's a good comp. I, I have a hard time putting together the deal. I actually went through last night on, on trade machine, went through every single team in the league. It's hard to find deals. It is, it is hard to find deals. Um, that, that, that work. Like it, it really is. Um, so, uh, you know, and that one, honestly, the only one I could imagine if you're taking, I, I can't imagine Joe cause he, it's a free agent contract for a four year deal. You better get a lot of draft capital. And we are so deep in the tax at that point. It'd be crazy, but I can't see that. So I'd have to see us sending out some contracts that actually have years left on them to go get Marcus smart. Um, so that would be, you know, that would be my take um, on how you would have to do that. Because I just don't think you can take $71 million back and get them just off the money in our tax situation. Today's show also brought to you by betonline.ag. If you're going to get into the action this weekend with NFL Weekend, do it with the promo code Locked On and get a 50% welcome bonus. Big NFL Weekend ahead. Bengals and the Titans will kick it off on Saturday. The Titans are a three-and-a-half-point favorite. Crossover editions available all across Lockdown. Green Bay is a five-and-a-half-point favorite over the Niners. 
Tampa Bay is a two and a half favorite Sunday against the Rams. And the Chiefs are a one and a half point favorite over the Buffalo Bills. If you're looking for your second listen of the day, any of those crossovers are absolutely outstanding. Uh, it's one locked on's on its best. The host of the Bills and the host of the other side will go back head, you know, back and forth about the ball game. Uh, tonight, the Jazz play Detroit. Uh, we are a 13 and a half point favorite. Big one, Memphis. It, Denver's a three and a half point favorite over Memphis in Denver. Uh, the Warriors are a 10 and a half point favorite over the Rockets and might be a little sour after last night. Bucks and the Bulls tonight. No Lonzo Ball. Bucks are a 10 and a half point favorite. There just might be a feeling the Bucks are better than everyone else. Uh, that's all at betonline.ag. Promo code lockdown gets you a 50% welcome bonus. All right. Time for points gained. And this is crazy. The number one most impactful offensive player in the NBA, according to points gained, done, did it, done. What is points gained, you say? Points gained is the lockdown offensive metric that evaluates offensive players, takes the amount of possessions they use on a given night, scoring opportunities on a given night, compares those scoring opportunities to the league average. So Nikola Jokic uses 20 scoring scoring opportunities a night. Jokic in those 20 scoring opportunities scores 3.5 points more than the average player in the NBA would with those 20 scoring opportunities. The premise of this is what is your impact positively each given night on NBA on the NBA? And then the other premise is when you're building a roster, we do pretty strongly believe that if you can keep all of your players positive, you have a championship caliber team. Phoenix has done a pretty good job of it. Golden State has a little bit. Um, by the way, Golden State, check out last night. Um, we're kind of joking about it, but Kaminga plays last night. He plays 15 minutes. He's minus 16. Like, ever, like I missed on the Warriors badly this year because I thought Wiseman, Kaminga, and Moody were going to play. And then I didn't think they were going to be very good. They actually just, Wiseman's been hurt. They don't play Kaminga very much. They don't play Moody. Last night, they actually played Kaminga. And he was minus 16 in 15 minutes. You cannot play young players in this league and win. You just can't. And by the way, if you don't think Clay Thompson taking 17 shots in 23 minutes hasn't upset the apple cart, you're crazy. All right. Um, back to points gained. So, Nikola Jokic. Now, three is a lot. We usually have three players every year over three. We have about 10 players over two. This year, we have a lot more than 10 players over two. It seems as though there's something going on where there's more efficiency offensively. Right now, the number one points gained player, the player who is scoring more points above league average with his scoring opportunities on a given night is Rudy Gobert. Rudy Gobert is plus 3.8 in his 11 scoring opportunities a night. He is the only player in the history of the NBA to average 15 points and shoot 70% from the floor. You want to know why we were bad? When Rudy was out, because he's the most positively impactful offensive player and the best defensive player in the league. And then we're going to freak out about it. And he hasn't been great since he's come back from COVID. I don't think that's, like, he's been okay. He hasn't been great. He has not been as as impactful as he usually is. Number one in the league right now is Rudy Gobert. Number two in the league is Nikola Jokic. Number three is Jared Allen. And number four is Kevin Durant. What has happened this year, we've talked about this a little bit, is that the league has taken away the rim defensively. The officials have stopped calling fouls 
on the perimeter the same way with three-pointers and drives. And therefore, those big men that can get to the rim and dunk have become more valuable than ever before and are leading their teams to be better than people expected. So those players are way more, way better than anyone realizes. The top 10 most impactful offensive players right now are Rudy Gobert, one, Nikola Jokic, two, Jared Allen, three, Cleveland, Kevin Durant, four. Those are all over three. Montrez Harrell, five, Rashawn Holmes, six, Carl Anthony Towns, seven. Minnesota's pretty good. LeBron James, eight, which is just mind blowing. LeBron James is playing out of his head, and the Lakers are below 500. Uh, Okungu in Atlanta, who has just begun to start and play a lot, is shooting 76% from the field and is a 2.7. Giannis is next. Sabonis, then Robert Williams, then DeAndre Ayton, then Joel Embiid, then Zach Levine. So Chicago without losing some, starting to lose some guys due to injuries, and you start to see, you know, we'll see the impact on that. We'll see if he holds it. Mitchell Robinson and Zubak, Malcolm Hidd, Daniel Gafford. Bigs have actually become more important than ever before. For the Utah Jazz solely, our points gained are obviously led by Rudy. Oyan Bogdanovich is at 1.6. Son Whiteside at 1.2. Mike Conley having a brilliant year at 1.1. Royce O'Neal having a very good year at 1.0. Like we talk about Royce is not offense and this and that. And, but 1.0 is good. And he's only using six scoring opportunities tonight. Uh, Eric Elijah Hughes is 0.7. Eric Pascal 0.4. Donovan is having his best year yet at 0.4. Joe Ingles is down to a 0.2. Last year, Joe was through the roof. Um, which leads me to believe Joe will circulate back up uh, on this. Um, Joe Ingles last year was a 1.8. He was having Boyan's year. Uh, um, where was I? Um, huh. Something weird just happened. Uh, Donovan's at a point nine. Joe, I swear the numbers just changed on me. Oh, you know why? Uh, let me see if I can find it. I was in the wrong year. I did this last time too. Here we go. Um, Joe Ingles a point two. Uh, Rudy Gay's even. Guys, uh, Jordan Clarkson's a minus one point two. So that you know, Jordan's got to get it straightened out. Uh, obviously. Uh, all right, let's go to the least impactful offense players in the league or the worst, the guys who uh, caused the biggest um, problem for their teams. And uh, Isaiah Thomas was. Dante DiVincenzo is having a brutal year in Milwaukee. He's actually the lowest in the league right now at minus 2.9. Um, there's a kid named Derek Walton who's playing a little bit for Detroit, but I'm, I'm trying to find guys who actually play. Jalen Suggs has been injured for a while, minus 2.7. Nikhil Alexander-Walker, minus 2.5. If New Orleans stopped playing him, they would be really a lot better. It's really just that simple. Reggie Jackson minus 2.2. Josh Giddy minus 2.3 as good, well as he's done some things. But it's not surprising when rookies are in here. Russell Westbrook has slipped to a minus 2.0. Precious Oshawa is a minus 2.0 for Miami. Davion Mitchell in Sacramento. DeJounte Murray. Semi Ojale. Ricky Rubio for Cleveland before he got hurt. Uh, Cade Cunningham we'll see tonight minus 1.8. Kevin Porter, who we saw last night, minus 1.8. Nikola Vucevic as well. Julius Randle having a brutal year for him at minus 1.7. Killian Hayes, who we'll see tonight at minus 1.6. Lonnie Walker, minus 1.6. 
Bay at minus 1.4. Be careful with guys who just put up numbers on bad teams. Paul George has not had a good year. He's at minus 1.4. RJ Barrett, minus 1.4. But not that many offensive players that are above minus 1.4. So like when you start getting into that, you end up that has a pretty significant negative impact. Jordan's minus 1.2. Jason Tatum is two. Um, well, I go Jalen Brown over Jason Tatum, but I don't really think they're making uh, that choice. Somebody wanted to know about Marcus Smart, obviously, since we talked about him. Is Marcus Smart is minus 1.1. Pretty big detrimental offensive player to you. Minus 1.1. I don't think you could play JC and Marcus Smart and be successful. Couldn't have that much inefficiency at the same time on your roster. Um, so you'd have to figure out something there. I just I'm not sure that that works. Are there any players that come off immediately that we scan and we see their trade deadline possibilities that we say, oh, we would really like that. That might be really good. They might be available in the trade deadline that we should go grab. Um, Harrison Barnes is a 1.5 uh, for Sacramento. He's been really good all year long. I don't know if Dwight Powell would be available, but he can still play a little. He's at 1.4 out of Dallas. Um I don't Kevin Love is at a minus 1.3. I don't know how he fits in for us. He's actually doing pretty well for them, but just name. Miles Turner's got a foot injury. He's out for a while. He's minus 1.2. Um, a second bigs. I think that's a really interesting kind of concept. Um, I've thought about it a lot. Um, I don't know if Norman Powell would be available. He just signed a big deal. He's at 1.0. Scanning, 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 buffering, buffering, buffering. Um, I love the fact that Joe Johnson's name's on this list. Uh, I would uh, out of Chicago is having an unbelievable year as second-round draft pick, by the way. Uh, just worth mentioning there for a second. Um, he is, shows up on the list. Um, not a lot. Kelly Oubre, 0.7. I don't know that that's – you don't need another. Gordon Hayward, 0.7. You trade for him? Just ask him. Boyan and Joe that has to get that deal done to get the numbers to work. Would you do it? That's fun. That's a fun little debate amongst yourselves. Um, there wasn't a lot of reality to that. I just was playing. Um, and that is probably about it on guys who suddenly show up that would be available. Would San Antonio would move Doug McDermott. I don't know that we need another non-defensive offensive player. Uh, could we trade for George Niang? He's at 0.5. Probably not. They like him. He's Mr. Chemistry. Jalen um, Brown is at 0.4, if you're wondering. For those people who are shooting big, so is Donovan. They're right about the exact same. And that probably wraps us up. Thanks very much for tuning in. That is Locked on Jazz. Have a great one. Talk to you soon.